Hello, you're listening to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Dale, and today's episode is focusing in on theory. Yes, theory. So no, do not switch off right now. Theory in social marketing behaviour change is absolutely crucial to ensuring we evaluate well, we share, and to ensure we are not increasing health inequalities. And I promise you our guest, Dr Taylor Wilmot, is Oh, she's amazing. She has developed a process for you to use that will take things off your to-do list. So this isn't about adding to your to-do list. This is about taking off your to-do list. Now, you do need to get your head around the process, but it's only four stages. So yes, you can do that. And you can be so confident. Dr. Taylor Wilmer is talking to us from Australia. She's an amazing um, social marketer and her process is so founded in this incredible academic rigor you can be confident that what she's talking about is the real deal so please do grab a pen and paper for this one you're probably gonna need it and just before we do i'd just like to share some exciting news on the 6th of july we are running the behavior change marketing boot camp winter special We're so delighted and really humbled and grateful for the support we've had delivering the behaviour change training. Um, We've kind of been overwhelmed actually at the feedback and we've really used everyone's kind words and ideas to shape the agenda moving forward, hence the winter special. So we had lots of inquiries about people saying, oh, you know, how can we use behavioural science to help ease winter pressures? Now, We will focus in actually on the communications and marketing element. So whether you have a comms plan that's perfect and you're ready to go or whether you're just starting out and thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe it's time has come around so quickly. Bring your comms plans along and we will inject behavioural science into them. You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. And welcome to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Dale, and today I'm delighted to have with us amazing guest, Dr. Taylor Jade Wilmot. So, Dr. Wilmot is a lecturer in marketing at the University of Adelaide, but she has just completed her fellowship at the Social Marketing of Griffin Centre. So, the Griffin University in Brisbane hosts this amazing social marketing centre, which I'd really highly recommend everyone goes and checks out. And so we're so super delighted and honoured to have Taylor here as she's just published an absolutely brilliant paper called Improving Theory Use in Social Marketing, the typed four-step theory application process. Just before I pass over to Taylor to say hello, just to flag to everyone listening, do listen to this because I know you've heard the word theory and it is our weakest link in practitioner world when we're ultra busy and trying to apply social marketing and this is an amazing 
amazing way to actually incorporate it. So passing over to you, Taylor, please do say a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much, Ruth, for having me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. As you mentioned, my background is in social marketing, but I more broadly refer to myself as a behavioural scientist and draw on many fields, including behavioural economics, marketing, human-centred design, in order to tackle some of society's most complex problems. So, as an academic, a lot of my work is in the research space, but equally, I've done quite a bit of work with industry and government on a range of different projects in contexts such as reducing sexual violence and abuse, climate change, environmental degradation, chronic disease and obesity prevention, and more recently has started to look at the use of technology in the aged care sector as well. So really have been able to apply social marketing's core principles and techniques to a range of problems and have learnt a lot along the way. And one of those key things is the importance of theory. That's brilliant, Taylor. And thank you for sharing how broad your experience is. And I know a lot of that will resonate with our listeners who are working on highly complex social problems. And that is the beauty of social marketing, isn't it? It does draw down from a variety of disciplines. And so I do have to put hands up. If we think back in the days of the National Social Marketing Centre and our benchmark criteria for social marketing, I think theory is probably our weakest. I think combi is is probably the favourite, the favourite child at the moment. So I was delighted to read your paper because it's so needed. And I thought you expertly drew out the benefits for us in the practitioner world on using this. And one of the key benefits being evaluation and improving on that, which is something we grapple with every day and a beautiful shift from, you know, success or failure. So I'm not going to spoil it. If you could take us through your tight process. So the tight is a four step theory application process. You could talk us through the four stages. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, of course. Before I jump into the four steps, I thought it would be useful to kind of explain the origins of the type process and and how I came to realise that we did need a standardised framework for supporting theory application in social marketing and behaviour change research more broadly. And so I guess the history of that story starts many years ago when I first started my PhD back in 2016 and I was reading literature and I and noticed that as you mentioned Ruth that a lot of research that is published in this space one of the key things that is missing is a solid theoretical foundation which is supported by you know a number of systematic reviews that have been published in this space but the integrative review that is the foundation of the type process really went back and found all of the evidence reviews that had been conducted in social marketing and looked at how we were evaluating social marketing's cumulative evidence base. So across contexts that social marketing has been applied, so it might be water and sanitation all the way through to physical activity, diet, nutrition, we wanted to look at how social marketers, particularly those that were trying to synthesise evidence in order to show social marketing's effectiveness, we wanted to look at how they were evaluating the cumulative evidence space. And what we found was that the focus was on applying 
one of the social marketing benchmark frameworks. So whether that was Adriason's 2016 six benchmark criteria or whether it was the National Social Marketing Centre's eight benchmark criteria, we looked at firstly the extent to which those criteria were evaluated and were present in those reviews, but secondly how theory was being evaluated. And so what we observed doing that integrative review is that theory is typically evaluated as a yes or no, theory is present or theory is not present. And the presence of theory is simplified even more so to the fact that it's considered to be present if it's just referenced or mentioned in a paper that is either evaluating or reporting on an intervention program or campaign that's been conducted in the social marketing space, which is problematic because if we're just considering the mention of theory as theory has been used, then we don't actually understand the level to which theory's been applied. And if we break that down further into some of the other review work we've done that's looked at application of theory in terms of level and quality of theory use, we find that the majority of interventions display poor use of theory and it's not present across design implementation and evaluation and Ruth as you mentioned earlier there's a really big gap in the use of theory for evaluation purposes and so that led to the development of the type process as a way of consolidating all that we know on how to rigorously apply theory within social marketing to I guess simplify that process and standardise that for practitioners as well as policy makers and decision makers to be able to understand not only the role of theory but how it should be applied in practice. Yeah thank you Taylor because that's really interesting it's not just if theory's in their tick box it's actually the depth and if it stretches across from design to implementation through to evaluation because it, as even um, in my experience, I know it can very easily stop at design and then implementation can be a whole other ball game and it can fall out. Oh, so that's brilliant that it picked up that nuance. So, yeah, please carry on. Could you tell us a little bit about why theory is important as well as we go through? Because it is so easy to fall out. I think some of the benefits of using it get lost a little bit. Yeah, they certainly do. And and if you look at the majority of the discourse and the variety of surrounding theory use in, in social marketing and behaviour change, a lot of the focus is on whether theory increases effectiveness. And I can understand the preoccupation with effectiveness and, you know, linking effectiveness ultimately to return on investment. But if you adopt a more multifaceted and nuanced view of the role that theory can play it's so much broader than just effectiveness. So if we break it down into the typical stages of an intervention, so you have your planning stages and in the planning stages, that's when you would select a theory and theory really provides that lens in which to view your problem and and to understand the drivers of that problem, whether it's enablers or barriers to the target behaviour that you're looking to change, modify or maintain. And then I guess beyond that, when you move into design, theory provides that organising framework that tells you 
which, and to use the words in the type process, mechanisms of action or active ingredients that you will be targeting with your different intervention activities. And, and those intervention activities are a combination of strategies and techniques. We often see them referred to as behaviour change techniques in the literature. So when you're designing an intervention, you're able to use a theory that's been selected on generally a quality assessment criteria and we outline a really good one in the type process that I recommend following when you're selecting a theory because not all theories are equal. Some are certainly better than others, particularly when you're going to take it through to the evaluation stage of your intervention. So coming back to design and being able to pinpoint the factors that you want to target and link them to your intervention activities is a key benefit of theory in the design stage. And then if you move through to implementation, it's looking at how can theory help us design a program that reaches the people we want it to reach in a way that is meaningful and relevant to their context. So then in that sense, we're looking at segmentation and tailoring and using theory as, as a guiding framework to understand what it is that will work for whom, how, why, and when. And then once you have your intervention designed and you've implemented as, I guess, intended, then you move to evaluation and monitoring. And this is, I think, where theory really demonstrates its value in the sense that if you've mapped your intervention out with theoretical concepts and frameworks in the beginning, you're able to then take them through and be able to pinpoint what aspects of your intervention have worked as intended and which ones haven't. And in that sense, you're able to refine your intervention in future rounds. And when you're monitoring in a process evaluation, you can make those changes earlier than if you just wait and see whether the intervention has been successful or not. So we talk about it being a binary outcome generally of being effective or not effective. But when you apply theory, you realise that certain aspects of your intervention could have worked and when you apply theory you can identify exactly which aspects and their associated activities have led to the change that you've observed. Yeah, that would be absolutely amazing to be able to have that depth and the break up the evaluation and also it's just a lovely shift from success or fail and it does reflect the complexity of life and us as humans and how complex the challenges are that we're tackling. Um, so thank yep. you for that explanation, Taylor. As you were talking, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, we'll definitely tease out those. Uh, you took us so nicely through the phases there. We will tease those out in the show notes for everyone. So if you want to go and reflect on those and touch base on those, they'll be in the show notes, as well, of course, as a link to this paper. So, Taylor, take us on to the type process. Yeah, sure. So moving from that dichotomous view that's often taken with intervention evaluations and, you know, that black box way of approaching intervention design and evaluation, tight unpacks, I guess, what is quite a complex process of applying theory to social marketing interventions. So the first stage of the type process is all about theory selection. And as I mentioned, there's a quality criteria that we recommend applying once you have a short list of theories. And to reach a short list of theories, there's a range, I guess, of resources that you can, you can refer to in addition to doing your own primary and secondary research of the evidence base. 
So as an example, one of the main projects I've worked on in recent years has been around obesity prevention in young adults. And so the process that I went through in selecting the COMB model as my chosen theory started with doing an evidence review to look at theory use within that obesity prevention context and in particular interventions that have been applied with young adults. And so once I did that review, I had a list of theories that had been applied in that space. And from there, I developed a short list of theories and applied the quality assessment criteria that I referred to earlier, which looks at the clarity of constructs within a given theoretical model, the clarity between the relationships in that model, measurability. So are there measures that are reliable and valid and that you can use later on in your intervention evaluation? The testability of that theory, which relates to whether the theory has been specified at a level that will allow you to operationalise it in the sense that you can evaluate your intervention, causality, parsimony. So how complicated or, or simple is the theory and is it a good balance of both, and then generalizability. And I think if you combine those quality aspects of a good quality theory, you'll be able to identify what theory to move forward with. And for me, that was the COMB model. And so from there, you move on to what we refer to is an iterative process of applying theory in a visual depiction or a schema that allows you to design your intervention. So we have a neat diagram that really shows you the different stages that you'll be looking to represent in your schema of applying theory. So across intervention planning design and evaluation, there are different considerations that you need to take when mapping out your intervention. And that is essentially what step two of the type process is looking at. It's looking at unpacking your chosen theoretical model down to the different factors that are specified and associated with your target behaviour and being able to unpack them and link them to intervention strategies using tools such as behaviour change taxonomies to identify how to link techniques and intervention strategies back to the factors or theoretical constructs in your model. And then the third step of the type process is all about testing theory. And if you have chosen a good quality theory and you have mapped it out using active ingredients or theoretical constructs, associated behaviour change techniques or intervention strategies, you'll be able to test those different aspects of your theoretical model in step three of the type process. And so... Our advice is when you're testing theory is that you have already embedded reliable and valid measures of the theoretical constructs that you have embedded within your intervention design. And whether that's in a pre and a post evaluation survey that you use, you know, ordinarily to evaluate the effectiveness of an intervention or whether it's conducting semi-structured interviews with interview participants and being able to tease out those aspects to link back to what factors of our intervention were effective and weren't effective and how can we refine those in, you know, the next iteration of our intervention. So really emphasising that it is an iterative process of applying theory and it's not a means to an end. It's something that you circle back to and refine and build upon. 
just with that one then, I think the visual one is it will really resonate for everyone. So the second step, unpacking and mapping. So, but the that one with the testing, is that throughout as you implement then, Taylor, or at the end of the testing? Yeah, so there will be two stages, I would say, in testing theory in your intervention. So you'll have embedded measures within your process evaluation that will help you be able to determine, you know, what's working well, what's not working well, and be able to refine that before getting to your outcome evaluation as well. So I guess in that sense, there'll be two phases of evaluation to plan for one in the process evaluation and one in your outcome evaluation. Thank you. I think that's absolutely key thing to highlight the process evaluation and the opportunities it brings for refinement and that can make all the difference okay so sorry I interrupted you your fourth step fourth step yeah and I probably should mention that in the third step of testing theory there is a range of resources such as the GEM database or the science of behavior change that do provide a collection of of theoretical measures that you can draw upon if you don't find reliable and valid measures within literature or you don't have access to peer-reviewed published literature for example they're really good resources that you can draw upon to get measures yeah for testing theory just tell us those resources again yeah so the first one is the gem g-e-m yeah and that someone googled that it would come up it would yeah and the second one is the science of behaviour change. So we'll pop this in the show notes. We'll pop link in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Thank you. Resources always welcomed. (laughs) And the fourth and final step of the type process is the need to explicitly report on theory use and how you've applied theory use within your intervention design. Yes. I think this is the one where you can see people trailing off you know, is the reality of pressure. (laughs) And actually, when you get to the end, it's funny how when you're so close and then evaluation does peter off. So actually, to evaluate is one thing and then to evaluate the theory, the use of theory, is a kind of that extra. But So why would we do that? How would that reflect well on the intervention? What's the benefit of that? That's a really great question. And I think... Knowing that without theory underpinning our cumulative evidence base, we can't confidently point to what works, for whom, how, why and when. And if we're not reporting on how we've applied theory, we're not able to conduct critical appraisals within and across studies in the sense that one study might say that they have evaluated, for example, using the theory of planned behaviour and then you have a similar study who has also used the theory of planned behaviour, but the level to which they've applied theory and linked that accurately to intervention outcomes differs between the two studies. And so being able to critically evaluate the level and quality of theory use means that we increase our confidence in the outcomes that are being reported and I guess more crucially, in the level to which we can explain observed outcomes and why or why not an outcome has been observed and being able to link that back to intervention activities. So while reporting theory use might seem like an added task that practitioners may not think they have time for, I think ultimately it advances 
the work that we are doing. It strengthens our argument for the effectiveness of social marketing and it allows us to build upon our evidence base in a way that is helpful for knowledge building and sense making and communicating the work that we do and, and the strengths of the work that we're doing in social marketing. Thank you, Taylor. Um, I agree as well. One of the problems is we're always starting again and people can be tackling the same problem with very similar circumstances, but always starting from the beginning. So if we're not sharing the work, if we're not publishing the work, then actually we're making it harder for ourselves. And I think it's important about increasing confidence. One of our key priorities is to reduce health inequalities. So there's also the point that if we don't actually evaluate and if we don't understand the impact of theory and how it can increase the confidence in the approach, then we're not actually also capturing if we've increased health inequalities because our goal is to decrease. But if we don't know the outcomes, then we actually can't say what happened. And I think that's when the wobbles start coming in with programmes and projects. So the fact that your process also has the ability to evaluate as you go along, it highlights that. But this shift from success or fail uh, means that we can open up the learning without fear in a kind of you're creating a really good safe space for people to learn and to shape and to start using each other's work. There's so much going on there and there's so many people tackling the same challenges. It would be amazing to be able to dive into each other's minds and each other's projects and be able to scale that together somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a common challenge that is often talked about and communicated from practitioners to researchers within social marketing is that there are so many theories to choose from, many of which have overlapping constructs within those theories, that really understanding the value of a particular theory is kind of critical for practitioners to do the work that they're doing. And without reporting a process like tight and, you know, demonstrating the quality and and level of theory use that have been applied within an intervention or a program or a campaign, we don't actually know whether theories have appropriate support or whether we should be refuting theories. And, And some theories, you know, In the literature, you might have heard that theory of planned behaviour has been many calls to retire the theory of planned behaviour from the work that we do. And I think that really gets at the heart of the importance of reporting on theory uses, you know, having confidence in the theories that we are applying and improving them and building upon them in order to advance our knowledge in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, like you say, it's about advancement, isn't it? It's about moving forward all the time. So just because it is an audio, so just for everyone, could you, Taylor, just go through what TITE stands for, the stages, so the T, the I, the T, the E, just to remind everybody? Yep. So the first step of the TITE process, so T stands for theory selection, I stands for iterative schematization, and The third T stands for theory testing and then the final E stands for explicit reporting of theory use. Brilliant. And there is a really useful table in Taylor's paper that summarises the type process as well. And so with your permissions, actually, Taylor, I might pop that table into the um, show notes as well. That will, I think, encourage everyone to come to the paper and have a, a deeper look because it is so simple. I think 
just taking some time to actually read and digest it, you get a lot of penny drop moments and a bit, a lot of, oh, and actually it can reduce sort of everyday anxiety and worry. What am I doing? Am I doing it the right way? How's this going? And in our worlds, we have such heavy scrutiny. We have a lot of reporting, you know, boards watching. Where's the money? How's the money being spent? And high expectations on programme delivery. And I think being able to use this, I can already think of programmes of work where it just would be so useful. So for the practitioner themselves, for me, myself, to be able to keep referring back. And I have to admit, when I read it, and I've been doing social marketing for too long. I was at the first um, World Social Marketing (laughs) Conference. But I never, honestly, I never really thought about theory in this way. So you've definitely brought something really fresh and new to me. And so I'm sure you will do to everyone listening. Taylor, we always like to end on book recommendation. Would you be able to share a book that inspires you or a book that you would recommend colleagues read? Yeah, so a book that I read recently that was published at the start of 2021, actually, was by Dr. Grace Warden. She's based at LSE and her book, Think Big, I think is a really great book to read if you are interested in behavioural science, but in particular, applying it to your life. She provides some really great actionable steps that are backed by behavioural science for being able to achieve, you know, your big, hairy, audacious goals in life. And also if you're contemplating a change in career or or a transition, which I was at the time, I thought it's a really great example of how behavioural science can be applied to your own life, which I think for me, being able to communicate what is some complex issues around you know changing behavior being able to look internally at your own behavior and apply some of those techniques I think is invaluable oh thank you Taylor and it is it's so popular now isn't it the application of behavioral science and habit building and accepting that we always have a habit it's just whether it's good or bad but we're always generally doing something so thank you for that I'll pop that in the show notes I don't know that one so I will have a look with interest We do have a book club, so I will flag it across to our book club as well and get some, yeah, get some minds reading that and see what everyone thinks. But Taylor, you've been wonderful. You've deconstructed incredibly complex years and years of work in a wonderfully simple way for our listeners. So thank you so much. And just to remind everyone that Taylor did do her doctorate and then a fellowship, and now she's a lecturer in marketing. So Any guys at the University of Adelaide are very privileged to have you there. Good luck with that. And please do stay in touch. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. I enjoyed our discussion. I've just um, been listening back to the interview with Taylor and I just think, oh my gosh, actually since we recorded it, I've gone away and working on some projects and I need to put a big post-it note up in front of me saying, Ruth, theory, 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 find the headspace for the theory. So I'll be actively starting to use this type process and I'll let you know how I get on. But also, please, if anyone does start to use it, do let me know. And if anyone wants to talk theory with me, give me a bell. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
because let's do this together. Let's not try and have all the answers. If anyone is using any theory or anyone is starting a project and they want to look at it a bit deeper, then let's just chat. Um, I love a good chat about social marketing. And do check out the show notes because I've put quite a lot in there this week because it's quite complex discussion. Not in the sense that it's not easy to do. I don't mean complex. Maybe that's the wrong word. Do I mean it was just full on loads in there. And honestly, when I read the paper, I had so many light bulb moments. So this conversation cannot replace actually reading her paper. So that will be in the show notes too. And in case you missed it, If you are working on winter, then we would love to see you at the event on the 6th of July. And if anyone else is interested in behavioural science training, of course, we have our boot camp live on the 8th of July. And well, we've got loads of team ones, team boot camps running at the moment as well. So if you do want a team session, just give me a bell. Take care, everyone. Bye. (laughs) 